0: Okay, folks, welcome back to yet another episode. Today, I've got special guest Wally Adamchik of Firestarter Speaking and Consulting. Uh, Today, Wally and I are going to talk a lot about people in construction, more so the problems the industry is facing in terms of attracting and retaining people, in terms of crafting a a fine culture that people gravitate towards. So there's a lot to talk about. Uh, Wally's a very knowledgeable man. So He's the president of Firestarter Speaking and Consulting which is a leadership strategy and development uh, consulting company that serves just the construction industry. So Wally's got a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and has done a lot of research in the industry. So I think he's quite the fitting person to uh, speak to the topic of retaining employees in a dynamic uh, workplace. And a lot of our the conversation pieces today actually come from his report, the People in Construction 2021 report. So so without further ado, Wally, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. It's exciting to have you here to talk about such a, a relevant issue that a lot of people have been hearing about and contributing to in terms of changing the narrative around the industry.
1: Well, yeah, so this is great. I appreciate the opportunity to, to contribute to what you get going on here. Maybe before we get
0: into what is titled the uh, episode of Retaining Employees in a Dynamic Industry, um, which I think is rather fitting for for the new year as we kind of go into... 2022 now and uh, yeah let's hear a bit about yourself like wh- where did this start
1: for you with with firestarter speaking and consulting yeah absolutely so you know i grew up uh, my my brother and dad were were teamsters in new york city so you know i grew up in a, in the construction world and i think when i was 13 years old i was probably a helper on on jobs you know probably violating labor laws or something if they existed back then but uh you know so and the point there is uh, you know this is a, a group of people that, that I, that I, that I grew up with, you know, when I'm talking to a bunch of construction superintendents, it's like I'm hanging out with my brother. So, um, you know, there's that kindred spirit kind of thing. They, you know, uh, I, I don't come from, you know, a point of having an MBA or, you know, and I, and I do, but, you know, I, I'm not lecturing. I'm, I'm, let's have a conversation about how we can do this thing better. Uh, obviously my time in the Marines where I was a, a tank platoon commander for a number of years and I flew Cobra helicopters for a number of years, um, you know, reinforced my understanding of the importance of leadership and, and people and teams and, you know, those kinds of things. And then, you know, for the last 20 years, I've had my own uh, speaking and consulting business, you know, basically talking about leadership and construction. And, um, you know, we, gosh, we need it more than ever now, it seems with all the challenges we have going on. And
0: frankly, I think you got one of the best educations in leadership in the, the U.S. military. I mean, I hate to, to downplay the, the Canadian military, but um, I just look at what, what the U.S. military does. And I think it's absolutely fantastic in terms of developing leaders. And, and obviously the experience you have has now contributed to where you are with Firestarter speaking and consulting.
1: Well, and I, you know, by the way, the Canadian forces are pretty, pretty darn good too. There's just not as many of them, but the times that I've collaborated with them, uh, it, they've always been top notch, but, uh, yeah. What, uh, what better, uh, place to learn, you know, than as a 21 year old knucklehead and, you know, given 20 Marines and saying, you know, don't screw it up. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, just about everything I learned from a people perspective w- was in the Marines. And, you know when I when I stand you know here in this construction world, this mining world, it's it's uh, it's all about the field, right? Uh, in the military, it was all about the infantry, right? I drove tanks, but it was about supporting the infantry in the Marine Corps. I flew you know helicopter attack helicopters, but it was all about supporting the infantry in the Marine Corps. You know in the construction world. <laughs> You know, it's all about the field, right? What are we doing from a leadership perspective, from a culture perspective, to make sure that the hands and, you know, labor, employees, frontline people are, are staying busy and, and therefore productive and therefore, you know, you know making money for themselves in the company? Uh, and anything that detracts from that, in my mind, is probably uh, something we need to take a hard look at.
0: So I think you're you're quite the a fitting individual to to talk about you know where the industry's at in terms of construction mining. I'll, I'll lump it together you know yeah, they're very yeah. you know different dynamic industries, but together as a whole, you know as we enter the new year what where is the industry currently at there's you know there's a lot to talk about, including like the great resignation as you you mm-hmm. call it in your twenty twenty one report
1: Well, I think we're at a crossroads. Um, not only as an industry, but as as business, right in in North America. And as you note, you know there has been this great resignation, and COVID probably accelerated some of the things that were co- going to come anyway. But if if we look at my business, you know teaching leadership to people in construction, which you know when you talk to people outside of construction, they kind of look at you with the high pitched noise, you know dog, you know kind of tilt, they tilt their head and say, "You do what?" But look at the success that I'm having these days, look at the success that you're having on the marketing side. I mean, you and some other, um, uh, cutting edge firms are, you know, figuring out how to tell the story of, of contractors and miners in a way that it's never been told before, right? Look, your 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 business probably wouldn't have existed 20 years ago, right? Because people are going, well, I tendered. What else do I got to do? Um, you know, so I think we're at a crossroads and, and that crossroads has to do with the, the continual pr- professionalization of the industry. And what I mean by that is sophistication with marketing, with technology, And with what I'll call, you know, a more enlightened leadership. Now, we've always had great leaders in the firm, in the the industry, but uh, recognizing that what we did 20, 25 years ago uh, may not work anymore. Uh, And this doesn't mean that the next generation is soft. It just means that they need to be engaged differently. Uh, And that doesn't mean lower the standard either. It just means we need to engage differently. And
0: I, I couldn't agree more there. I think we've progressed past maybe what a couple decades ago was just being the cheapest guy per cubic meter or per cubic yard of dirt to, mm-hmm. to now having to have a committed team of, of people, a good fleet of equipment, you know, a whole package rather than just being the cheapest price on the, the, the bid sheet, the tender
1: sheet. Yeah. And, you know, price still matters. Let's face it. I, you know, obviously procurement is changing, but it... You know, in a lot of cases, it's you got to be, you know, you can be on a select bid list of three people or something like that, and you still have to get that low number. But so the question is, how do I get to that low number? And, and there's several ways you get to the low number r- rather than just one way. And. It, and and you need to be excellent on all fronts. Um, you know, like I said, the technology front, the the production front. That doesn't mean I need the newest equipment. It means I need to just make the most of it. You know, I need to have people who are engaged and care enough and educated enough on what the heck is going on out there. Uh, you know, kind of a cause and effect thing to care enough that they want to create great production, as opposed to coming in and just picking up a paycheck. So, you know, it, and and it's that uh, you know hyper competitive world that we're in uh, that we we need to execute on all fronts, and and that's hard. Uh, it's really hard to do, but man, it's rewarding when we do it. What do you think
0: are some of the major problems? If you had to sum up like a top three, some of the major problems the construction industry is facing you know this decade and, and, and moving forward are these easily resolved issues or are they going to be a, a quite challenging and a multi-year multi-decade um, solution
1: man you know just three uh, you, you can know go one more than things, three you know not to just do three yeah, just, I'm, I'm I'm just scribbling some things down here as as I as I as you ask that question yeah on a, on a, on a personal basis you have the fact that Ninety percent of the people uh, and we've done personality profiles we've done twenty thousand disc profiles, five thousand emotional intelligence profiles over the years. you know this is a a, a task oriented getter done low empathy um, industry now there's probably other ones like that out there, but this one's mine you know this is not nursing, this is not banking this is not you know, teaching grade school, et cetera. So because it's task oriented, get her done. Uh, that means I don't necessarily care about your feelings. Suck it up. Let's go. Okay. Well, that means I may not be creating the best culture that uh, meaning one where people want to stay and, and do great things. So part of the challenge is, is just taking these task oriented uh, drivers and saying, Hey, can, can we just soften the edges a little bit? Uh, and so that people will feel welcome as opposed to feeling, a, feeling abused, uh, you know, on, on a, on a global basis, you've got some of the, some, you've got this, uh, climate change and carbon issues that, um, you know, many of your listeners are going to look at and go, that's not a factor for me. Uh, well, it's a huge factor for the multinationals right now and at the nas- international level. And, um, which means it's going to trickle down. Let's face it. Everything eventually trickles down. So what does that look like and what does that really mean? Um, I don't really know, but it's on the horizon. Um, You know, lack of trust in every institution on the face of the earth and, and, uh, you know, trust in our government, trust in corporations, trust in the church, Trust in the military, which is traditionally one of the most trusted organizations, is at an all-time low. Now, there's and there's plenty of surveys I can show to quantify that, but uh, and there's plenty of reasons why that's the case. But but here's the here's the opportunity for folks: is what can you do then to create a place, you know, a workplace where people come to work and they trust leadership and owner uh, the owners and they feel trusted and they go, wow, this is a great place. This is almost my, my refuge, right. Uh, where I can come and do great things and not worry about all that political crap out there, not worry about all that, you know, all that noise out there on social media. We come here together to do great work and man, isn't it a great thing? Um, uh, you know, that's, that's the opportunity in the face of all this crazy change.
0: Speaking of, of change, you know, speaking to what most people don't want to talk about, the pandemic, but has that affected the construction industry? Because if, if I look at it, a lot of people say everyone's working from home, but you know, in construction and mining, you, you, you frankly, unless you're in the office, you, you can't work from home. It's all in the field, hands-on, right. especially even some of the management people. They're in the, in the field with their people. Seeing what's going on and making sure everything's going to schedule, going to budget, whatever it is. So, in your opinion, like how has the global pandemic affected uh, the construction industry? Yeah,
1: you know, it's a fascinating question that you almost have to look at on the company by company level. But the deeper question here gets to this concept of the field office divide, uh, which I now call the field office chasm. And, uh, you know, we, we we all don't work in the same place. The field and the office are in different places, uh, obviously. And uh, a couple of things happened. Uh, uh, first of all, some firms sent project management home. You know, the office went home. Uh, and you're right. Uh, the field kept working in a couple uh, geographies, they might have taken a week or, or two off. There were very few in North America that shut them down for a prolonged period of time. Uh, Pennsylvania comes to mind for a moment there. Um, so the question and, – and, and then – so there. I think there were three categories here. One is the companies that said, yeah, we're not going home. Uh, we're going to keep doing on what we're doing. The other one is, yeah, we're going to go home. Yeah, you know something, it's probably better for us to come back. And the third one is the ones that did go home and to 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 some point, I think exacerbated this field office divide. I was down at a cat dealer in San Diego at Hawthorne Cat a couple months ago, and you know this was exactly the conversation we were having with the with the president of that dealership. Is he said, yeah, you know, on on day one when all this happened, we sent the office staff home and then I look down on the floor and I have 27 mechanics, you know, turning wrenches. And he goes, I knew at that moment the right thing was to bring people back. Right. So so the, 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 it, it it was, it was, it was dealt with on a very local basis, uh, based on company culture. And, um, you're right though, the majority of folks, the majority of the industry, it's kind of been business as usual. But it, it has created an opportunity for those places with great cultures to get better. And it's created, quote, an opportunity for places with bad cultures to get worse. Uh, and, and again, I think that's what competitive advantage is all about, is, is leveraging those opportunities and, and, and making it happen.
0: Well, certainly, I, I, I agree there. And I think the overarching theme of, of this year and, and this decade, frankly, is going to be people and retaining people, hiring people you know even in some cases firing people but you mentioned a lot all of that in your 2021 report and i think mm-hmm. maybe maybe i'm a bit wrong about this but solving the people problem as as we so call it could partly be addressed by taking current employees more seriously treating them in a different manner mm-hmm. so like could you share some some data from your report cuz i i noticed you 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 noted some of there about behind recognizing people currently in the oh workforce. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, every, every, two years I do a research report and it's called the people in construction report. And, you know, your guests can go to constructionleadership.com and download it. And I'm, I'm not going to take emails or anything like that. But yeah, take a look at this question. Um, how frequently do you receive recognition from your manager? And the, the options were daily, weekly, monthly, and what is recognition? Um, 40% were monthly and 25% were what is recognition. 65% of your workforce is not getting praised on a, on a, you know, on a is getting praised on a monthly or worth, worst basis, right? Now, here's the thing. Well, Wally, why do I need to praise somebody for doing their job? You know, why do I need to praise somebody for having their PPE on? Well, because it's just the right thing to do. You know, we're not talking about making things up and recognizing people for stupid stuff, but what's wrong with saying to a, a guy when he shows up on the job site, hey, you look good today, PPE is 100%, appreciate that. And, you know, that's a simplistic example, but, um, and, and you know, if we look at the research and the science, and 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 I've seen various numbers on this, but you know, it's been said that it takes you know ten oops to make up for an attaboy. Well, from a psychological perspective on praise, it's at least four to one. So for every single negative comment I make to you, like hey, you made a mistake with this, you you know you 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 didn't do this right, Mac. Um, that I need to have four positive ones to offset that, to kind of break even on it, right? Well, my gosh, if you could get to two to one, you're a better manager or leader than I ever was. I mean, the point being is there's opportunities to find people doing things right, to create a place. And, and you know, let's go a little bit deeper in the psychology. When I recognize you for doing good things, it increases your self-esteem, your self-confidence, and it makes you feel, here's a word for you, significant. Okay, well, what's the opposite of significant? Well, it's insignificant. Well, I'm pretty sure that making people feel insignificant is not a good motivational strategy, nor is it sustainable.
0: And you make a really good point there. And your metrics reinforce that about recognizing your own people first, because I think, if you you know, by and large, I don't want to 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 paint with too big of a brush here, but a lot of companies look outwards. It's oh, let's get more people. We need better people. But mm-hmm. well, geez, how can we do a better job of you know, first off, at least recognizing our own people and making them feel more welcome, more happy, more significant, as you mentioned. And and recognition and significance leads to another term that you've you've kindly outlined in your report is making people happy. You know how important it is mm-hmm. for people to be happy to workplace. What what are some of the outcomes from happiness? in construction? What are some of the byproducts of employees being happy?
1: Well, you know, obviously it's retention. And when we get retention, we get safety in production and we get safety in production, we get profitability. And when we get profitability, man, that takes a lot of pressure off, but it also means that I can feed it back to the employee um, in the means of some form of compensation and benefit, um, or just less stress. Uh, and you know, it's a, we, we, we talk about the industry and is it that bad? And, and that's actually why I started this research a couple of years ago. I was reading, you know, survey after survey from, you know, AGC, Autodesk, I mean, just all the industry, you know, people that you guys, we all know. And, and, and we still see these surveys come out every day now. And they say, well, um, there's a, there's a labor shortage you know, I'm like, well, tell me something I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, and I said, well, why is there a labor shortage? And does it, is it that bad working in construction? And, um you know, on a scale of one to 10, 85% of the people I talked to in this most recent one was almost 500 people in the industry um are, are like, yeah, it's a pretty good place. It's okay. Right. I like working in construction. So this, generic thing that it's this miserable, you know, I, yeah, there's certainly some of those places that are like that, but it's an incredibly unique culture where people, you know, like to work outside. They like to have autonomy. They like to build things. Right. So the, the question is, how do we find the right people? And then how do we keep them? Right. So do we have an attraction issue or a retention issue? Arguably both. But if I do a better job on the retention side, I don't need to be as creative or as um, aggressive on the attraction side.
0: Oh, certainly. I couldn't, couldn't agree there. Speaking of retaining and attracting people, one of the, the, the topics that always comes up first in discussion is, is money or pay. And a lot of people mm. regard construction as mining as a, a very high paying industry and rightfully so. Yeah. It's it's tough work. It's rewarding work. It's challenging work. So in, in, in your opinion, in your research, is money and salary or money or salary, whether it's hourly or yearly, uh, is it a motivator for employees uh, seeking work or currently unemployed?
1: Yeah. How long do we have for this conversation? <laughs> um, uh, here's the deal. And this is what the, the the science will say. And then I'll tell you what my research shows and other research shows. The science says that money is a demotivator, meaning if I don't get your pay right, you will be de- demotivated because it'll be perceived as unfair and some of those other things. Um, but once I get your pay, so once I get your pay right, more pay does not make you more motivated. It does not make you more happy, right? So there are things that make you unhappy that we need to fix. And once we fix those things, we can then work on making you happy or uh, creating that place where you're satisfied and engaged, et cetera. So, um, and and then we can take it one step further. And the numbers will vary, but somewhere between fifty and seventy thousand U.S. Um, a year from a salary perspective means the basic needs have been met in our society, right? You're, you know, we're talking about Afghanistan where an extra nickel or 25 cents an hour would be, you know, material in our society, the basic needs have been met. Um, so that means it's something other than pay. I asked the question, my fair, my pay is fair for the work I perform. 84% said yes. So now let's be clear. If you come to me and say, Wally, would you like a pay raise? I'm absolutely going to say yes. But if I say, Hey, is, am I paying you fair? Is it, is it about right? And the answer is, yeah, most people are saying the money's right. But that's a really convenient excuse when I go down the street and I leave you cause you're a jerk rather than saying you're a jerk. I say, yeah, you know, I got an extra couple, I get an extra dollar. Now, there is some crazy money getting thrown around these days because of the shortage of you know, mechanics, CDL drivers, operators. There is definitely some mad money getting thrown around, but um, that, uh, I think this is an aberration we're seeing right now, and uh, we'll get some normalcy here again.
0: And we won't even include the oil and gas industry in that conversation because those wages are, are significantly uh, abnormal compared to the, the by-and-large construction Industry, but I think you know for anyone listening as well. If you think back to last time, you got either bonus arrays. You know, it it sometimes feels like kind of a short-term boost or happiness. And I think overall, you know, bonuses or pay increases aren't the solution to retaining people and attracting people. It's it's kind of a short-term fix for a deeper-rooted internal retention problem that maybe is solved by a better culture, a better workplace. Um, I think. Employers defaulted previously to pay as a solution to keep people and, and that's not the case
1: anymore? Well, it's, it's part of the conversation. But when you look at uh, uh, the, the bump from a pay raise generally lasts about three pay periods. You know, the first one is like, woohoo, yes, whether it's one week, two week, whatever your pay period is. The first one comes in, and you're like, yes. The second one comes in, and you're like, uh-huh. And the third one is, yeah, that's normal. Right. So we're back then into the, well, give me another pay raise thing. Right. So it's, it's recognizing that there's a total package of compensation and benefits. Yes. But then there's a total, I don't know, I'll call it condition of employment where, like I said earlier, we got to get the money right. But once we get the money right, we, we have to do these cultural things to, uh, to create a place where people want to work. And, and that is one where we treat people with trust and respect and empowerment and those crazy buzzwords that really do impact most people. And
0: you're absolutely right. We're, we're slowly chipping away at the answers, plural, to the the bigger question here of, of, you know, this decade of retaining people, attracting people. But there's another piece in your report that I did like, and it was you mentioned the iceberg of ignorance. And it was a term mm. that was coined by uh, Sydney Yoshida uh, in the late 80s. Uh, what does that mean with respect to construction companies could you explain that to the listeners
1: yeah it talks about the, the further you get from the front line uh no matter what industry you're in uh you you, you you it's this again an iceberg right so the the people at the top don't know or not are not as in touch with what's going on at the front line now that that intuitively makes sense but, um, it, you know, it just says, hey, what are you doing to bridge that field office gap, that field office chasm that we talked about at the outset? Right. And and that iceberg of ignorance then says uh, it confirms that that disconnect disconnect exists. So we have to go out of our way in this industry because of the geography. Um to, to bridge that gap. Why? Because the people at the front are the ones with all the answers generally. So what do I, as a, as a, as a leader, no matter where I am in the organization, what am I doing to bridge that gap, to uh, talk to the people? And when I do talk to them, they feel like they actually have input. And
0: there's a lot to unpack in your answer there. One is, you know, just when you, when, you or any of the listeners think about when you're in the field and management shows up, you're like, Oh gosh, here's management. Better put on a good good face, good smile, make sure everything's kosher And I, I think breaking that down and, and that that barrier of Oh goodness! Here
1: comes management, or here comes the CEO. Hey, I've seen the CEO of some of the biggest, one of the biggest companies in Canada from a construction perspective. You know, out on job sites, and 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 it's like he's one of the boys, right? And that's part of his shtick, right? Is helping the boys feel like you know, hey, we're all in this together, because that's when they'll talk to you, right? Um, and 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 of course, it's got to be backed up with sincerity uh, you know, and, and, um, uh, and, and action, right. Cause if I ask you, Hey, you know, what do you think we need to work on? And then you tell me, and then we do nothing with that, uh, repeatedly. Okay. I've lost all credibility there. Right. Cause then it becomes a trustworthiness issue and I'm not trustworthy, but yeah, that, that how do we, how do we make it? And, and like you say, how do we make this not an event when, you know, leadership visits the job, but it's just part of a normal thing like hey dude how's it going tell me what's going on um uh, you, you know and 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 that's really hard to do the bigger the organization is because let's face it these senior execs whether they're even you know regional managers right and they've got you know they're running half of Alberta or half of BC or something like that or whatever province or state they're in and it's you know you got to do the paperwork you got to do the reports you got to get on the call with you know your boss and oh by the way you still got to make time for the field but at the end of the day that's where we're making the money and if you're ever in doubt um, you know if you have a choice uh, go, go see go see the work because that's where the payoff is and those are the folks that are going to make you look good
0: exactly and i think a lot of management out there could could definitely benefit from that if you look at the employees usually have the answers to your problems whether that's a culture problem some sort of a project specific problem they're the ones who mm-hmm. frankly have the best feedback and staying in tune with that and in touch with those people is is should be i think and, and i know you agree that should be of high importance for most vp ceos management uh, supervisors superintendents whatever the the title may be
1: and it's hard like you, you know it uh, there's look n- nobody's inbox is empty these days um, there's always something to deal with Uh, and, and that's, that's a balancing act. And it's a really hard one these days, um, technology has made it harder in some way because now as a, as a mid-level manager, my boss can be checking in on my financials and my production. And now I can just check in with my people with text and let's be clear, texting the superintendent running that job site, 50 miles or kilometers away. Is not the same as looking him in the eye and shaking his hand and saying thanks for being here, uh, and that's just you know I, chart it. You know when is the last time you you know make a spreadsheet of, of all your people and when's the last time you went and saw every one of them, and it, you'll be appalled and a little bit embarrassed and maybe even a little bit ashamed of the inconsistency of of your visit it's your visits, and the interim you know it you don't get there as often as you think you get uh and uh, you know what gets measured gets done and i've seen guys do that exercise for a quarter and come back and tell me and go that that was that was depressing uh i need to do better
0: certainly and speaking a bit about culture and this this ties in with staying in tune with your employees because i think you know culture core values that resonates best with the people in the field because that's what they have know that's what they know uh, what the company stands for and, and what they come to work to expect. So core values, this one for me has always been, mm. I think especially in construction, it's always been a bit of a soft point and it always gets me a bit fired up when I read most companies' core values. But I think they, they typically default to some sort of buzzword type core value that yep. only serves yep. on a, a surface level. So what have you seen from companies who get it right in regards to core values and also who get it wrong?
1: Yeah, so uh, core values matter. Uh, why do they matter? Well, first of all, that's the your, your North Star, right? This is who we are going to be. Uh, and then people say, okay, that's something I want to be part of, or they come in the door and then learn them and say, okay, I, I, I can do those things. And then if we do those things, we're creating that place. I talked about earlier, that place, that trusted place where what we say really happens that, you know, that refuge of, yeah, this is really a good place to be when we don't do so. When we don't do those things, when we don't live our values, uh, it says, yeah, that really doesn't matter. Well, if that doesn't really matter, then I guess PPE doesn't matter. I guess production really doesn't matter. Right. So it, it all comes back to consistency. Now let's get into the words. Um, you know, there are, there are the, you know, all right, integrity, safety, quality, customer service, right. You know, there, there are the words, right. Uh, and, two things are happening. I think, um, first one is, yeah, we're seeing some companies, uh, and I know this is some of the work you guys do, uh, you know, like, what are your words? Like what's a better way to say it? And, um, you know, and, and you know, there's put it in your own words, you get 10, 15 people from your company in a room and it's not integrity. It's, something else right and it's and it's consistent to to your firm with that said if if we just want to go with integrity customer service quality safety etc that that's fine too it comes back to that bigger first point that i made about whatever the hell we're calling it let's just make sure we're doing it right so although those words tend to be a little trite and you know and 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 buzzwordy as you said Let's make sure we're doing those things. Uh, Heck, call them value A, value B, value C, right? Let's make sure we're doing those things and we're consistent because when leaders live by the core values of the organization, the organization, i.e., everybody who's looking at a leader says, yes, yes there's consistency, there's truth here. This is something I want to be part of. This is something I want to give my heart to, not just my back to, but give my heart and mind to. uh, And that's when we create excellent results. So the values do matter. And I think they are more buzzwordy now than ever because people have been hearing conversations like this for the last decade. uh, And yeah, they matter when you get them right. And they also matter when you get them wrong.
0: And I couldn't have said it any better. It's something that resonates most with people because it's what they commit to in terms of signing up with the company. It's what they fall back mm-hmm. on when they're in the field, in the office, and it's you know it's a late night or it's a challenging bid, challenging project, and, and it really plays into the, the bigger culture piece. But it's always, like I said, been a sore point for me because I feel as it's sometimes a snippet from a dictionary, which is the, the yeah. simplicity and the basicness of it. But you mentioned a good point of, of bringing your people together and more of a collaborative effort to come up with these values and and true definitions and and really looking at what matters most to people and what fits best with what the company does in terms of its mission, what service it provides.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I can probably come up with the words that matter for my company and and you could for yours and et cetera, et cetera. Um, But it's far more compelling uh, to get you know, involvement and engagement. Cause now let's just say I have a company of a hundred people and I brought 10 people into the room, uh, to do some values creation. Now I have 10, you know, zealots out there. I have 10 people saying I helped create this. Uh, no, 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 this is, this matters. Right. So when you think about from a cultural change perspective, you have, you have advocates out there who are walking the talk and, and, and selling the change as well. So it's not one leader trying to push a rope. It's now 11, you know, pulling. Uh, so that that's the thought process. And that's when you get the real creative, you know, sentences and words and phrases. And the ones you look at, you know, that I look at when I'm visiting websites and I'm going, wow, those are cool. Right. Cause they're so different. And only that company. Has those words, uh, and you know everybody out there can can listen to this, and 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 they've seen the websites. I mean, you go to some of the really unique places that you think of, and you look like a Patagonia from a, an apparel place or Apple, right? And you go, wow, you know that, that they're unique in what they do and and how they've come to do it. Um, well, contractors are are starting to make those steps too. And if I were to
0: provide you know an example from the from the real world here, I just pulled up. Uh, some core values of a company in uh, the Lower Mainland here in Western Canada. So, if you're if you're a construction company owner or someone in management, and you're looking to revamp things. Here's some some tangible examples of uh, some of their core values. Um, one of them is uh, every person deserves to grow. We're happiest when we're growing, grow as people, as teams, and as an organization together. So, to pull another one, uh, effort gets recognized. Leaders aren't necessarily the only ones with a title take time to hold the deserving people high. And this is a large construction firm uh, out of Vancouver. So just some examples in there, something that's maybe a bit different than integrity and we do it on time and on budget.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm looking at one right here. You know, you have doing the right thing. Okay, well, there's the integrity one, right? There's honing our craft. Like, oh my God, how cool is it? And then they have winning in the field, right? I mean, it just says, hey, we're going to do the right thing we're going to grow our people and we know where the money is made right so once again like the ones that you just articulated um uh, you know it, 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 it can be done right and 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 those things become aligning I think about your car being aligned. It goes to the direction you want it to go. Values become aligning uh, and they become motivating because people go, yes, this is who I part of who I want to be. And then accountability becomes easier, right? Because now I look at you behave in a way that's not consistent with the values. And it's not me criticizing you and being a jerk. It's hey, dude. This this is the values. Um, you know, this is how we do things here. So there's a whole bunch of reasons that uh, the values conversation is is one worth having and getting right. And anyone's not sure, never done this before.
0: It's more than just a, a Saturday afternoon of of thinking about it. It's you know months, sometimes a year, of putting these together and getting feedback and really crafting something that people want to be a part of. And like you said, it, it really helps your people align and 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 filter out those who frankly may not fit uh, in the in the company.
1: Yeah, this is not something that you just like you say knock out while you're watching uh, football one afternoon. It's it's it takes some time and 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 that's okay, right? It, you know, uh, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly, meaning uh, it, it's it's okay, get it you know, get it right, it's it's worth the effort.
0: There's another definition or term if you will that I pulled from your 2021 report, and I think it deserves some some spotlight here as we we navigate our discussion around retaining mm. people, attracting people, and that's the term VUCA V U C A. And yeah, anytime yeah. there's something military related, I'm I'm always rather curious. You talk about how it outlines the current state of the construction industry and how mm-hmm. the industry must fight VUCA. That's V U C A with VUCA. So, can yeah, you, yeah. you
1: explain that term and uh, a bit about it? Yeah. So in the late uh 90s uh you know the US army war college and the US government looks around and says okay um the soviet we're not going to be sh- fighting fighting the soviet hordes on the plains of europe in in tank on tank warfare which was what the cold war was was going to be if it if it became that uh so it's like all right well, what's it going to be so we we commissioned these really smart people to go think about these things and of course you can't define the future right so the the question is okay well what what's it going to look like and and they decided that it was going to be volatile change is rapid and unpredictable it's going to be uncertain the present and is unclear and the future is uncertain it's going to be complex that there are many different interconnected factors and it's going to be ambiguous like you you may not even know what it is when you see it and you, gosh if you look at the last 18 to 20 months that's our world right rapid change uncertain future complexity. What's complex about COVID? How about supply chain, right? Uh, that gives an example of complexity and, and lack of clarity. Like this is what we thought was going to happen. Now this is happening, et cetera. So, uh, and when I, when I present this concept in industry gatherings and ask people like, Hey, does this sound right? About 80% of any audience is, is given me the, the big affirmative thumbs up. Like, yes, this is where we are right now. So how do you fight it? Well, you know, you fight it with a lot of things we've already talked about, but just specifically with a VUCA perspective, you fight it with vision and values, uh, which again is where are we going and who are we with understanding, meaning that there's a great deal of communication around those values and that we're taking time to explain to people where we are, uh, clarity and agility, right? So we fight. VUCA with VUCA, and that's vision, understanding, clarity, and agility. And the agility means that I have to be able to make decisions quickly, and probably they won't be a perfect decision, which some of our task oriented people have a hard time with because they want to get it right. Um, So, this is a direct challenge to the culture of our industry that is very risk averse, saying we now need to be uh, more agile than we've ever been. Uh, And it doesn't mean we're reckless, it just means we create uh, a culture and a, a, a thought process that says we we can react quickly when we see something.
0: I mean how fitting is that when I first read that I thought wow this is this is a this captures twenty twenty to twenty to now to present day quite quite nicely just the the way it describes it all. So I thought it was is worth a mention and, and worth something to uh, to bring up.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, if people research it and there's a guy by the name of General Perkins. He's got a video on YouTube and he talks about how they came up with this and, um, you know, how, if he had in, in the mid nineties came up to, you know, the leadership and said, Hey, we're going to be attacked in New York city. Well, okay. Well, that makes sense. We'll probably, you know, it's a big commerce center and it's going to be people with box cutters and you'd be like, yeah, you're fired. Right you know, nobody anticipated that, right? But the environment that it has put us into is exactly what he anticipated. So it's not about anticipating the event. It's about being knowing the the, the context and the environment we're going to operate in. And um like I said, you can read watch the Perkins videos and they're they're really good. Really good to watch.
0: So we've provided quite a quite a nice summary so far as to some of the, the issues and in- that the construction industry as a whole is facing, and, and we've touched on a few of the the answers, or at least what we think based on your research and, and our discussion, is, is maybe the solutions to some of these. But I'd, I don't want to go too long because you know a person like yourself with so much knowledge. I think the listeners right now are just have had so much to to digest at this point. But I wanted to wrap up with with one piece here and. So you're in, a, you're in a coffee shop, it's busy. You see a construction CEO and he comes up to you and he wants to have a word. You got five minutes. You mm. sit down, you got five minutes with him. And he asks a question like, how do I attract more people to work for us? What does my company need to focus on to stay in business this decade? You know, what would you say to him in those, those, those few minutes? And what, what are some of the key pieces of advice uh, you would tell that, that leader of a, of a company?
1: Well, yeah, you know, I'd have to ask a couple of questions just to clarify, you know, his context, because I, you know, it's just like when you go into the doctor's office and you say, you know, my leg hurts. Well, maybe it's actually your back, or my back hurts. Maybe it's actually your leg, right? That kind of a thing. But, um, that the 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 battle, and I use that cliche, is going to be one on two fronts. It is it is has to be one on the process front. So just to be clear about this, the leadership guy just said you need great processes, right, and it's also got to be led one on the people front. So, uh, you know, to have superior results, you need superior processes. And and what we mean by that is we, we know how to take off a job. We know how to hand it off from estimating to operations and then from office operations to field operations. We know how to do a daily huddle. We know how to do cost to completes. We know how to do production. In other words, we know the blocking of tackling of construction. And it, look, if we can't do that, it doesn't matter what leadership you have. Now, in a time when you had maybe greater margins and you can get away with a little bit of, you know, erosion or whatever, but you, you we can't do that anymore, right? So superior processes gotta have all that stuff happening, and we'll call that management. And you have to have superior, you know, people, and we'll call that leadership. It's 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 a both and a conversation. We need great management, great systems, great procedures and processes, and we need Superior leadership, superior people, superior culture, superior values. If you want to sustain and endure and be profitable, you have to be fighting the fight on both fronts. Now, we default to the process side because it's easier. It's easier to quantify. It's easier to manage. It's easier to measure. But we do also really know that the leadership one becomes the the multiplier so to speak um, to to use a military example it's the it's the field artillery right it's that force multiplier that that brings more more energy to bear uh, on what we have so What does your training look like at all levels from a leadership and development perspective? And there's so much can be done online now. Um, It doesn't have to be shutting the jobs down or shutting the plant or the pit or the whatever down for, for, you know, uh, a two days to bring people in. There's ways to do this Um, career paths, right? Do people come in and see that they can have a career in this industry, in this company? Um, And, The answer is yes, there are firms doing a hell of a job with this. And oh my God, let's figure out work-life balance. Um, You know, sucks to be, you Now, my God, in Canada, I was talking to a guy the other day um, from up your way. And uh, for the listeners who don't know, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina is where I'm hanging my hat. Um, I was talking to a guy up your way and he goes, here's what like work-life balance needs to look like for me. I need a guy who can work for three months in summer, 20 hours a day
0: it's true it's very true i mean it's frozen up here now so you're not no one's doing unless you're mining you're not doing anything constructions dying. yeah and,
1: and so I, and, and the conversation we got into is okay it's not work-life balance on the day-to-day basis but it's on the month-to-month basis and rather than laying guys off is there a way to do something in know in a more creative way to retain them not that they go work at whistler during the winter and then decide not to come back right so um And, you know, and we'll call it flex time at the project level. And we kind of look at that and go, oh, that's cute. Well, yeah, but you know something, there's people trying to figure this stuff out. Uh, And I'd much rather figure it out on the company corporate basis than I would on the legislative basis. For example, over in the UK, these guys working on rail jobs, you know, they enter hours into a software every day and at the mid to end of the week, the software will tell you if you're yellow or red from a fatigue, from a fatigue perspective. Well, God help you if you've got somebody in the yellow and red and you have a mishap because you knew they were tired, right? So let's figure out what that looks like. Um, you know, ourselves rather than have it legislated and mandated because we know what that looks like and that just doesn't work good. So I, I digressed a little there, but we got to figure out this people side and make it a place where sucks to be you, suck it up, is not the motivational phrase of the day.
0: And frankly, I think you you couldn't, I couldn't have said it any better there. And me and you could talk for, for hours, I think, about, you know, solving that that problem and, and changing that narrative. But to the Canada piece, it's, it's a completely different, you know, beast, if you will, up here with the hours you work in the summer and then you have all winter off. And then it's a question of, well, could, we, could you come back to work first next year? And it's, yeah. it's such a weird dynamic, if you will, that um, contrasts so differently from the Southern, I guess the lower 48, I guess the, the Southern states that are hot year round and the work is, is good year round. So,
1: Yeah, well, we can go with the lower 49. I mean, obviously Alaska, but um, and the point here is, look, I don't know what the answer is, but we've always done it that way is not the answer. And oh, by the way, if we do research and do flips and come back with and go, you know something we just can't figure out a different way to do it, so be it. But let's not just raise our hands and surrender at this juncture uh and 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 hope. Hope is not a method.
0: Well, I think we should we should wrap it up there while well, you've like I said before, you're you're such a, a knowledgeable person to have on the show and the amount of information you've you've given thus far is, I think, a lot of people right now are, are digesting that and are probably going to go back and, and listen this over a few times um, to to really take all take in what you've discussed thus far. So, I know me and you could, could probably sit here for, for hours and, yeah. and talk about the differences between the different markets, the labor markets, and just you know some of the problems the is facing. But thank you again, for, for taking time to be on the show and, and, and share such a wealth of knowledge. You've, you've clearly researched and, and really done your homework on.
1: So thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with a like-minded professional like you and what you're doing in the industry. And yeah, if people want more, just go to const- my, my website is constructionleadership.com. I mean, how much easier could it be? Uh, And, and reach out, send me an email and let's continue the conversation. Anybody who wants to talk, I'm here for you. Yep. Go to
0: constructionleadership.com. And don't forget, the report is on there, correct? The one that we've been referencing uh, thus
1: far? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Front page.
0: And I don't want to downplay, you've also done something with uh, the folks over at uh, BuildWit. You did something for their leadership. I don't know if I'm allowed to spill the beans yet. But when that comes out, (laughs) I encourage people to check that out. Wally was featured in uh, a series in there. Maybe you can do a quick blurb on that because I know that was a
1: pretty important piece for you. Yeah, you know, Buildwood obviously is doing some incredible things uh, down this way from a from a you know initially a marketing perspective and then a cultural perspective in the industry and and the, and they recognize the the you know the demand for for training and development and they've created a platform called build wit leaders that is an on, you know, it's, it's a online learning platform that they, they just keep adding content to. And I've got, I don't know, five or six hours of, of leadership content on it, but they've got stuff that's not leadership. They've got some technical stuff. There was, I think, a soils engineer a couple of months ago. Um, and they're just, just continuing to build it. And they're, they're, uh, and if you want to you know, look look at some interesting values, they've got some interesting ones too. But um, yeah, the BuildWit Leaders platform is a pretty strong one um, that uh, is, is providing some solutions for some people. So
0: there you go, folks. Another five or six hours of, of Wally's knowledge is, <laughs> is on there as well. So I encourage you to check that out. Check his website out. And again, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it. I think there's a lot of people that need to... Uh, hear about this, this discussion and how a lot of us are are changing the narrative and around the industry. And, you know, maybe there's someone that hasn't heard this yet that needs to hear it. So please do share it. I appreciate everyone listening. And uh, if you did enjoy today's show, uh, please do leave a review. Thanks again to our guest Wally. And until next time, we'll uh, see everyone on the next episode.